Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of March 11, 2018. It's not too late to become a 2018 member of the Kentucky Council of the Blind or to pay life membership dues to KCB. The Dues are $8 for one year or $40 for a life membership. And you can pay dues by credit card by calling 502-895-4598. You can also pay dues to ACB Families, $8 a year. ACB Lions, $15 a year or $150 for a life membership. And Library Users of America, $12 a year or $150 for a life membership by calling 502-897-1472 and having your credit card ready. The Kentucky Council of the Blind invites you to Crossroads. Let your journey begin, April 6 and 7 in Louisville, Kentucky. No matter where you live, you can participate in Crossroads. The Kentucky Council of the Blind held Crossroads Leadership Conferences in 2013, 14, and 15. This year's conference is open to anyone who would like to further their individual, professional, or organizational skills. Get in the driver's seat, put the key in the ignition, start your engine, and take the on-ramp to the 2018 Crossroads Conference. Crossroads includes interstates, general sessions, and side roads, topics, targeting a wide range of skills. Each side road includes several stops or sessions packed with how-tos, handouts, activities, and information you can use in your personal, professional, and organizational life. Create your own unique roadmap as you choose the side roads that best meet your needs. At Crossroads, you can learn to look your best and present yourself well for any occasion, conduct successful meetings and events, raise money for your projects and organizations, Recruit and retain members and participants. Use social media in innovative ways to tell your story to others. Use networking effectively and build community partnerships and much more. Crossroads is hosted by the Kentucky Council of the Blind. All conference activities will take place at the United Crescent Hill Ministries here in Louisville. And hotel accommodations are available for out-of-town participants at the Ramada Inn North in Zorn Avenue, a short five-minute ride from the conference site. KCB will use Uber and Lyft to provide transportation between the Ramada and Crossroads. Note, you may choose to stay at a different hotel, but KCB will not cover transportation between that hotel and the conference site. Crossroads attendance is limited and enrollment in side road sessions is available on a first-come, first-served basis. Registration is required whether you attend one meeting or event or the entire conference. The pre-registration fee for Crossroads is $50 for the two-day conference, and this includes Friday lunch and dinner, Saturday continental breakfast, lunch and dinner, all programs, events, and materials. The single-day registration is $35. At the door, registration is $60 for two days or $40 for one. Pre-registration is open through April 3rd. For more information, email the Kentucky Council of the Blind at kcb at kentucky-acb.org or give us a phone call at 502-895-4598.
The ACB Legislative Seminar took place in Alexandria, Virginia, February 27 and 28, and Patty Cox and Shirley Stivers represented KCB at the event. Listen on page 2 as Patty tells us about the seminar and their day on Capitol Hill visiting the offices of Kentucky's congressmen and senators. KCB President Debbie Dethridge has been involved in Girl Scouts for many years. Every year she can be counted upon to take cookie orders in January, and this year was no exception. She was delivering cookies to us hungry customers at this week's roundabout, and we discovered that she had sold about 125 boxes of cookies for one lucky troop. Since cookies come along just in time for March Madness and basketball tournament time, we took that opportunity to learn about Girl Scout cookie history. Find out about the history of Thin Mints and other yummy cookies, pick up some easy recipes made with the cookies, and remember 15 discontinued flavors on page 3. And on page 4 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2. On February 26 and 27, the American Council of the Blind sponsored its annual legislative seminar and trip to Capitol Hill. And this year, Patty Cox and Shirley Stivers represented the Kentucky Council of the Blind at this function. Patty is on the phone with me, and we're going to chat about their trip to Capitol Hill. And, uh, Patty, it sounds as if it was pretty positive this year. It really was. Well, you know, with all of the discussion about how Congress isn't listening and Congress uh, isn't doing anything, um, I'm really pleased to hear that, that things went well. Um, some of the issues that we were talking about this year on Capitol Hill were um, the uh, Medicare, the demonstration bill, Medicare to cover low vision equipment. We were talking about NLS possibly distributing Braille displays. We were talking about the Cogswell-Macy Act that will benefit blind and visually impaired, as well as deaf and hard of hearing children. Um, and so uh, these were some things that are really positive and can reach out there and help a lot of people. So um, tell us about your trip to Capitol Hill and how you feel like you were received. Well, we started out on the Senate side. We went to Rand Paul's office, and we really touched really hard because he is a ophthalmologist. So we touched hard on the Medicare and um, so that they would, you know, provide, Medicare could provide aids for visually impaired people just as they do people who need a prosthetic leg or a wheelchair. Medicare pays for that, but they do not pay for eyeglasses or um, visual aids that are needed. And we asked Rand Paul's office if they would sponsor the bill when it comes to the Senate. And we got really positive um, feedback from Rand Paul's office. And we then went to um, Senator McConnell's office. We did ask them that if the bill came up and there were sponsors, if he would make sure that it gets to the floor. And Natalie, the staffer that was um, speaking with us, was really positive about um, this getting this to the floor, that blind and visually impaired people do need to be involved um, with getting AIDS just as any other disability. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, we also 
spoke to them about the infrastructure and keeping Randolph Shepherd vendors at the roadside uh, rest areas. And most of everybody that we spoke to did not know that they were blind or visually impaired vendors Mm -hmm. that took care of the rest areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Natalie was the most positive of, of all who we spoke to about making sure that the blind vendors do keep the roadside. And we explained to them how seniority plays a big part. Um, And she said, well, that's kind of like, you know, when you are a younger senator, you have the smaller offices on Capitol Hill. And, you know, the longer that you're in Congress, your office gets a little bigger and so that was it was great it it was great that that's how it that's how it works with vending that the longer you're in vending the the better um stands that you mm-hmm. that, that you run and um so it it worked out really great and um the other thing that we got to do is natalie took us out on the balcony um the majority leader gets a balcony outside of his office and we got to take a picture and there's the capitals in the background Mm -hmm. and i posted that with the hashtag to acb and it's it's a really cool thing to do and i didn't know they had balconies but um that was something kind of special to get to do yeah okay and so um with on the Senate side, so you talked about the the Medicare coverage for low vision devices, and mm-hmm. about the Randolph Shepard uh, roadside the um, the rest area um, problems. And, and and let's just explain that the problem there is that there is a um, some push to privatize those areas, and they're afraid that Randolph Shepard will lose the priority uh, if that happens. So, Correct. Okay, so now uh, a couple of other things that we talked about um, that that were included in the ACB imperatives. Let, let's talk about the NLS thing just a little bit. Um, we're asking for funding to be uh, continued and increased for the uh, NLS program, the National Library Services uh, program, the library program uh, for blind and visually impaired people, and one of the one of the things that's important is the development of the new um, low-cost Braille displays and the possibility of their being distributed through the NLS program to blind and visually impaired people. And you found in, in your meetings, not only on the Senate side, but also on the House side, that because these... Uh, the representatives and senators you were talking with are from Kentucky. Uh, they especially remembered APH coming up and talking about the Orbit Reader. Uh, tell us how they received the um, your your requests for the NLS funding and and just their overall um, reception of that idea. They were all very uh, positive. They remembered. APH and and they how they brought the orbit up to show them and we explained 
to them, if people are reading Braille, you know, how tall, like, three volumes would be mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, how that would, um, you know, a small device like the Orbit mm-hmm. costing five $600 compared to printing the Braille mm-hmm. and sending the Braille out, mm-hmm. how much it would save. Not money-wise plus, you know, how much, you know, if somebody wanted magazines each month and and they come to you in Braille Mm -hmm. from the library, how much room that would be. Yes. And I was explaining how I remember boxes of magazines (laughs) coming to the house for you to read. Right. And, And how much room that was. But now you can use the Orbit to get on the Internet and download that magazine, and it's still compact in that one device. Mm-hmm. And they were all very positive um, to make sure that those who do read Braille still read Braille, but by using a device instead of paper. And that it's affordable. You know? Yes. yes. And it is affordable. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Patty, um, the other thing that you talked about was the Cogswell Macy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And tell us about that a tiny bit. They asked more questions about the the vendors, the NLS, mm-hmm. and the Medicare. Okay. And we, we touched very little on the Cogswell Macy. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really feel that they thought that that was as important Mm -hmm. to, I guess, an everyday living for people. Mm -hmm. That went well, but it was kind of the point that we were trying to get in, Mm -hmm. but they, they, you know, our time was up with them. Right. And and let's explain, too, that, you know, you you don't get to go in and drive the bus as far as what you're going to talk about. You, You had with you... A, uh, a a page. I'm assuming it was a two-sided page. It is a cardstock mm-hmm. page mm-hmm. that has um, all the imperatives written on it, and they are like 12 points so that it all fits on the two sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been uh, to Washington to go to Capitol Hill with any more than one page. Mm-hmm. And that is because you hand them too much. They're, that's too much to read in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you might get 30 minutes, but usually by the time you've gone in and greeted and explained who you are and they tell you who they are and what they do with the congressman, that takes a little bit of time. And, and you don't have that much time. So just having the one page um, says a whole lot. They do look at the front and the back. At least mm-hmm. all, all of Congress, all the staffers that we saw, they look at both the front and the back, kind of follow along with you. And then they'll pull out something and ask you a question or um, ask questions on what you've been talking about, you know, if, if you give an example and mm-hmm. how that has changed your life or someone's life in, in your organization. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you, you can start out 
with something. Uh, and you may actually go in with a plan to talk about what you what your your most important things are, but that can get changed as they look at that page. Correct. And most of them, we try to start with what's on the front page. That way I get them to actually look at the page, and then as you're talking, you don't think that they're paying attention to you. However, they are. And then they turn it over, and they look at the back, and I think the the main thing was, uh, on the front is the Medicare, and on the back is the Coswell Macy mm-hmm. and the safeguarding programs that promote independence mm-hmm. and inclusion. And the Medicare and the inclusion, the bullet points on the back mm-hmm. that include the independent living, NLS, and um, the Randolph Shepard program, those bullets really caught their eye. Okay, all right. So that was the main thing. They they really didn't touch on the Cogswell Macy as much. But, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they they really look at it. And in the past, we've had a few that they take the paper and they might ask you one question about the first thing, and then they kind of look away or they act like they're not paying attention. And that's when you just gotta. You just got to wrap it and get out. And <laughs> you might not feel that you've made a difference, but um, if if you watch C-SPAN and, and you hear that these bills are coming up and and you can actually watch how they vote and if they vote the way you really wanted them to, mm-hmm. then you feel like you've accomplished something. Right. Well, last year... Um the funding for the printing house, uh, right. some of the bookshare issues, those were included in our um, imperatives. That was in the the imperative that had several points in it, and and we we were successful on um, both of those. You know, those had positive outcomes. So um, oftentimes, you know, you you may not be absolutely sure that something is going to uh, be a positive, but it's all influencing that overall perception of the bill. You visited not only the Senate side, but you visited the House side as well. Did you get to go to most of the offices and meet with most of the staffers on the House side? Yes. We had one that we did just a drop. Sometimes you can't get a an appointment with right. anyone in the office because they're so busy. And yeah, so and also we, because the, they, the time that they may have open just may not fit into your correct. overall time with everybody. Well, we had one office that said that they could not meet with us at all on mm-hmm. Tuesday, that they mm-hmm. would like to meet with us on Monday. And you couldn't and do that. We're in training. Right. So it's in, in the past two years, we've actually um, left the training early to go to an appointment. And, you know, there were some very good points and questions that people asked of Tony that helped us out. And to miss that is, it's very important to, to stay in the training. We did have one that we dropped, the information we dropped, the, the one page that we get from ACB. We dropped that page off, and they said who we were, they were giving it to them, and that, that staffer would be getting in contact with us in the next week or two. Mm-hmm. And so um, I will contact them 
mm-hmm. and just to make sure that they got a hold of it. Mm-hmm. And in our position, they said they would give us a call to talk with us. In putting these appointments together, sometimes they run very close. So we didn't make one of our appointments. We let them know that we were running behind. Right. Um, we took an Uber from one side to the other, and sometimes you get an Uber driver that doesn't know what they're doing, and that's what happened with us, and that was just our luck. But we did have a lot of positive mm-hmm. feedback from the staffers on the house side. It's a lot of walking, but it's, it's actually, I enjoy doing it. Okay. All right. Now, what we would like for people to do, this this does not end with that with that trip to Capitol Hill. And just because um, you, you out there listening were not in Washington for that Capitol Hill visit doesn't mean that, that you don't have an important part to play. And what we would like for people to do is to contact their senators and their representatives. If you are in Kentucky, it's very important that you contact Rand Paul's office because he could help to sponsor the Medicare legislation. And um, with his having been an ophthalmologist, um, it it would be very powerful if he could help to co-sponsor this legislation. Correct. So... um, if, if you would, if you live in Kentucky, and if you don't, contact your senators, too. Um, call your senator's office. The phone number is 202-224-3121, and you will get a recording. It will ask you what state you are in, if you want to contact the House or the Senate. And you can you choose um, that from the menu. Then if it will ask you... Um, where you're from and you choose that from the menu and then if you are let's say you're in Kentucky it will ask you if you want to contact Senator Rand Paul or Senator Mitch McConnell's office and you make that choice and when you get that office on the line then please ask them to sponsor the the coverage of low vision devices from Medicare the house bill for that isn't it's 2050 right Patty Yes, it's yeah. HR 2050. Yes, and so uh, also it's important that you contact representatives, your representative, and you, you can find this out from this handy little menu that they have uh, when you call the House Capitol Building because it will ask you to enter your zip code. And when you enter that zip code, it will suggest to you what the representative should be that you contact. So that way you don't even have to know who your congressman is. The system will help you to figure that out. And please it's on the very house, simple yes, to use. Yes. So on the House side, ask them to support um, and co sponsor HR twenty fifty. On the Senate side, ask Senator Rand Paul's office to sponsor um, the uh, a bill uh, uh, a, a a Senate equivalent of HR 2050 um, in the Senate side. And they can go on and get that introduced now. They don't have to wait for it to pass the House. There's other legislation that it would be great to ask 
for as well. If you are interested in helping to support NLS programs or if you're interested in helping to support um, the education for blind and visually impaired kids, um, you can contact either the ACB office at 202-467-5081 and ask to speak to Tony Stevens or you can give us a call at KCB at 502-895-4598. I just want to just Make sure that everybody knows that your voice can be heard to use those phone numbers. Just because a few of us went to Washington, we need everyone to call. Yes. And to make sure that they are heard. Because if your congressman does not hear from you, then they don't know how important it is. Patty, it sounds like you all had a great day on Capitol Hill. We really appreciate you going up there and doing all that walking. <laughs> I mean, it, it is an enormous amount of walking. Hopefully you will have had an impact on what will be coming up here in this uh, second year of this current Congress. So we appreciate it very much, and thanks for talking with us. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Page 3. It's March, and that means it's time for March Madness, basketball, and Girl Scout cookies. In this house, we eat Thin Mints to celebrate Wildcat victories from the University of Kentucky or to help us drown our sorrows if they happen not to win. This past Friday at Roundabout, we shared Girl Scout cookie history and we also all tried to guess how many boxes of cookies KCB President Debbie Dethridge sold this year. She sold cookies for many, many years for different Girl Scouts and different troops, and this year she sold about 125 boxes of cookies. We thought that you would also enjoy some Girl Scout cookie history and reminiscing about selling cookies. From GirlScouts.org comes the following information. For more than a hundred years, Girl Scouts and their enthusiastic supporters have helped ensure the success of the iconic annual cookie sale, and they've had fun, developed valuable life skills, and made their communities a better place every step of the way. Girl Scout Cookie History in the 1910s the picture caption says Girl Scouts team up to preserve fruits and vegetables in response to food shortages circa 1917. Girl Scout cookies had their earliest beginnings in the kitchens and ovens of our girl members, with moms volunteering as technical advisors. The sale of cookies as a way to finance troop activities began as early as 1917, five years after Juliet Gordon Lowe started Girl Scouts in the United States. The Mistletoe Troop in Muskegee, Oklahoma, baked cookies and sold them in its high school cafeteria as a service project. Girl Scout cookie history in the 1920s. The picture caption says a Girl Scout sells cookies door to door in 1928. In July of 1922, the American Girl magazine, published by Girl Scouts of the USA, featured an article by Florence E. Neal, a local director in Chicago, Illinois. Miss Neal provided a cookie recipe that had been given to the Council's 2,000 Girl Scouts. She estimated the approximate cost of ingredients for six to seven dozen cookies to be 26 to 36 cents. The cookies, she suggests, 
could be sold by troops for 25 or 30 cents per dozen. Throughout the decade, Girl Scouts in different parts of the country continued to bake their own simple sugar cookies with their mothers and with help from the community. These cookies were packaged in waxed paper bags, sealed with a sticker, and sold door-to-door for 25 to 35 cents per dozen. Here's that original recipe. One cup of butter or substitute, one cup sugar, two tablespoons milk, two eggs, one teaspoon vanilla, two cups flour, two teaspoons baking powder, cream butter and sugar, add well-beaten eggs, then milk, flavoring, flour, and baking powder. Roll thin and bake in quick oven. Sprinkle sugar on top. This amount makes six to seven dozen. Modern day tips, not part of the original recipe, refrigerate batter for at least one hour before rolling and cutting cookies. Bake in a quick oven, 375 degrees, for approximately eight to 10 minutes or until the edges begin to brown. Girl Scout cookie history in the 1930s. The picture caption shows a Girl Scout cookie box from the 1930s. In 1933, Girl Scouts of Greater Philadelphia Council baked cookies and sold them in the city's gas and electric company windows. The price was just 23 cents per box of 44 cookies or six boxes for a dollar and 24 cents. Girls developed their marketing and business skills and raised funds for their local Girl Scout Council. A year later, Greater Philadelphia took cookie sales to the next level, becoming the first council to sell commercially baked cookies. In 1935, the Girl Scout Federation of Greater New York raised money through the sale of commercially baked cookies. Buying its own dye in the shape of a trefoil, the group used the words Girl Scout cookies on the box. In 1936, the National Girl Scout Organization began the process of licensing the first commercial bakers to produce cookies that would be sold nationwide by girls in Girl Scout councils. Enthusiasm for Girl Scout cookies spread nationwide. By 1937, more than 125 Girl Scout councils reported holding cookie sales. Girl Scout history in the 1940s. The picture is Girl Scout seniors and intermediates plan for the Girl Scout cookie sale in the 1940s. Girl Scout cookies were sold by local councils around the country until World War II, when sugar, flour, and butter shortages led Girl Scouts to pivot, selling the first Girl Scout calendars in 1944 as an alternative to raise money for activities. After the war, cookie sales increased, and by 1948, a total of 29 bakers were licensed to bake Girl Scout cookies. Girl Scout cookie history in the 1950s. The caption says, Advertisement for Girl Scout cookies, Girl Scout National Council Session Program, 1953. In 1951, Girl Scout cookies came in three varieties, sandwich, shortbread, and chocolate mints, now known as thin mints. With the advent of the suburbs, girls at tables and shopping malls began selling Girl Scout cookies. Five years later, flavors had evolved. 
Girl Scouts sold four basic types of cookies. A vanilla-based filled cookie, a chocolate-based filled cookie, shortbread, and a chocolate mint. Some bakers also offered another optional flavor. Girl Scout cookie history in the 1960s. Girl Scouts show off their Girl Scout cookie display, 1960. During the 1960s, when baby boomers expanded Girl Scout membership, cookie sales increased significantly. Fourteen licensed bakers were mixing batter for thousands upon thousands of Girl Scout cookies annually. And those bakers began wrapping Girl Scout cookie boxes in printed aluminum foil or cellophane to protect the cookies and preserve their freshness. By 1966, a number of varieties were available. Among the best sellers were chocolate mint, now known as thin mints, shortbread, and peanut butter sandwich cookies. Girl Scout cookie history in the 1970s. Girl Scout Juniors, circa 1963, is the picture caption. In 1978, the number of bakers was streamlined to four to ensure lower prices and uniform quality, packaging, and distribution. For the first time in history, all cookie boxes, regardless of the baker, featured the same designs and depicted scenes of Girl Scouts in action, including hiking and canoeing. And in 1979, the brand new Saul Bass created Girl Scout logo appeared on cookie boxes, which became even more creative and began promoting the benefits of Girl Scouting. Girl Scout cookies for sale in the 1970s included Thin Mints, Peanut Butter Sandwich Cookies, Dosey Doughs, and Shortbread or Trefoils, plus four additional choices. Girl Scout cookie history in the 1980s. The caption says, Girl Scout cookie sale, 1983. In 1982, four bakers still produced a maximum of seven varieties of cookies, three mandatory, thin mints, dosi and trefoils, and four optional. Cookie boxes depicted scenes of Girl Scouts in action. Girl Scout cookie history in the 1990s. Girl Scout volunteers to teach a Girl Scout brownie and Girl Scout junior about the Girl Scout cookie sale. The picture is from about 1990. In the early 90s, two licensed bakers supplied local Girl Scout councils with cookies for girls to sell, and by 1998 this number had grown again to three. Eight cookie varieties were available, including low-fat and sugar-free selections. GSUSA also introduced official age-appropriate awards for Girl Scout brownies, juniors, cadets, and seniors including the Cookie Activity Pin, which was awarded for participating in the cookie sale. Girl Scout cookie sale in the 2000s. Girl Scout daisies get in on the fun and learning that comes with selling Girl Scout cookies. Early in the 21st century, every Girl Scout cookie had a mission. New cookie box designs introduced in the fall of 2000 were bold and bright, Capturing the Spirit of Girl Scouting Two licensed bakers produced a maximum of eight varieties, including three that were mandatory, thin mints, dosidos, and trefoils. All cookies were kosher, 
and, much to the excitement of our youngest Girl Scouts, Daisy started selling cookies, too. Girl Scout cookie history in the 2010s. Girl Scouts embraced the technological age using the digital cookie app to sell cookies online. With the announcement of National Girl Scout Cookie Weekend, which in 2018 was February 23 to 25, and the introduction of our very first gluten-free Girl Scout cookie, the decade was off to a big start. But the real big news was the launch of the digital cookie platform in 2014, a fun, safe, and interactive place for girls to sell cookies. Digital Cookie takes the iconic cookie program digital and introduces Girl Scouts to vital 21st century lessons about online marketing, app usage, and e-commerce. But most importantly, Digital Cookie retains the one-to-one personal approach to selling that is essential to the success of the program and the girls who participate. Girl Scout Cookie History Today Ever since Girl Scouts first published the recipe for s'mores in 1925, the tasty campfire treat has been an iconic part of camping in the outdoors. In 2017, s'mores became the inspiration behind the newest cookie varieties. Who can forget the amazing moment in 2016 when Girl Scouts took the stage at the Academy Awards to sell cookies to Hollywood's A-List? It was a stellar beginning to the nationwide celebration of the 100th anniversary of Girl Scouts selling cookies. The centennial festivities continued with the introduction of Girl Scout s'mores, paying homage to an iconic Girl Scout outdoor tradition. Girl Scout s'mores quickly became the most popular new cookie to launch in our history. As the largest entrepreneurial program for girls in the world, the Girl Scout cookie program is powering the next century of girl entrepreneurs toward greatness. And here's some more recipes with Girl Scout cookies from the Girl Scout cookie site. Thin Mince Popcorn, created by Amber Zydlow, S-Z-Y-D-L-O. The prep time and the total time is 25 minutes. 10 cups plain popped popcorn. 25 Girl Scout Thin Mints, coarsely chopped and divided. 1 and 1 half cups white baking chips, 1 teaspoon shortening, 1 cup Andy's Cream de Menthe baking chips. In a large bowl, combine popcorn and half of the crushed Thin Mints. In a microwave, melt the white baking chips with shortening. Stir until smooth. Pour over popcorn mixture, toss to coat. Immediately spread onto wax paper. Sprinkle with remaining crushed Thin Mints. Melt the Andes baking chips in microwave. Stir until smooth. Drizzle over popcorn. Let stand until set. Break into pieces. Store in an airtight container. It makes three and one-half quarts. Delightful caramel bars created by Stephanie Salmento. This cookie was the grand prize winner and the cookie brownie bar category winner of the 2015 National Girl Scout Cookie Recipe Contest. 
sponsored by Taste of Home. The preparation time is 25 minutes and the bake time is 15 minutes. You will need one package of Girl Scout shortbread cookies trefoils, one third cup butter melted, one cup six ounces of semi-sweet chocolate chips, eight Girl Scout caramel delights or Samoas, 25 caramels, one-fourth cup evaporated milk. Preheat oven to 350 degrees. Place 12 trefoils in a food processor and pulse until crushed. Reserve for topping. Place the rest of the shortbread trefoil cookies in the food processor. Pulse until fine crumbs form. Add melted butter. Pulse until blended. Press onto bottom of an ungreased 9-inch square baking pan. Layer with chocolate chips and chopped Samoas. In a large saucepan, combine caramels and milk. Cook and stir over medium-low heat until caramels are melted. Pour over Samoa mixture in the pan. Sprinkle with reserved crushed trefoils. Bake 15 to 18 minutes or until golden brown. Cool in pan on a wire rack. Cut into bars. Makes two dozen bars. Trefoil toffee and chocolate bark with toasted almonds. Created by Nancy Mock. These cookies were the grand prize winner and the candies category winner for the 2016 National Girl Scout Cookie Recipe Contest, sponsored by Taste of Home. The preparation time is 15 minutes and the cook time is 10 minutes. You will need one package of Girl Scout shortbread cookies, trefoils, 3 fourths cup butter, 3 fourths cup packed light brown sugar, one package 12 ounces semi-sweet chocolate chips. One half cup sliced almonds toasted and coarsely chopped. Preheat oven to 350 degrees. Line a greased 15 by 10 inch rimmed baking pan with parchment paper coated with cooking spray. Arrange trefoils in the pan. Microwave butter until melted. Whisk in brown sugar. Microwave two minutes, stirring every 30 seconds until mixture is a thick caramel sauce. Pour sauce over the trefoils in the pan. Cover each completely. Bake until puffed up and bubbly, about 10 minutes. Do not allow to burn. Cool on a wire rack. Sprinkle chocolate chips evenly over hot caramel. Let stand five minutes. Spread chocolate over caramel. Top with almonds. Refrigerate baking pan until chocolate and caramel have hardened. About an hour. Break or cut bark. Note, to toast nuts, bake in a shallow pan in a 350 degree oven for 5 to 10 minutes or cook in a skillet over low heat until lightly browned, stirring occasionally. Makes 2 pounds of bark. You'll find other amazing desserts you can make with your favorite Girl Scout cookies at girlscouts.org. 
From cakes to pies, ice cream to s'mores, these recipes are beyond delicious. And finally, from mentalfloss.com comes the following. Do you remember these 15 discontinued Girl Scout cookies? By Abby Stone, March 4, 2016. It's been over 100 years since the Girl Scouts sold their first cookies, which the troopers and their moms made from scratch in their kitchens and wrapped in wax paper for 25 to 35 cents per dozen. And since then, the Girl Scouts have built a veritable cookie empire, populated with an assortment of delectable cookie varieties. Thin mints, Samoas, Tagalongs, and Dosidos, to name a few, are a far cry from the simple vanilla shortbread cookies sold in the 1920s. Unfortunately for some cookies, in with the new means out with the old. Through the years, we've also had to bid adieu to a long line of good cookies, including the Dulce de Leche and the Thank You Berry Munch. Here are 15 great Girl Scout cookie varieties that live on only in our memories and dreams. I'm looking at you, Juliet. 1. Vancho's Available from 1974 to 1983, these chocolate and vanilla sandwich cookies, which came in an assorted box, were a throwback to Girl Scout cookies' early flavors. In the 1950s, only four types of cookies existed. The original shortbread, chocolate-filled cookie, vanilla-filled cookie, and the first iteration of the thin mint, then called chocolate mint. 2. Kookaburras Like the love child of a Rice Krispies treat and a Twix bar, the kookaburras, fleetingly available in the early 1980s, sounded like heaven. Rectangular cookies with crispy rice, caramel, and chocolate don't mind if I do. One nostalgia-plagued baker concocted her own recipe for these delightful morsels. Number three, Golden Yangles. Not really cookies at all. Golden Yangles, available in the 1980s and discontinued in 1992, were cheddar cheese crackers. What can I say? The 80s were a weird time. 4. Praline Royales In 1992, the Praline Royale, a soft vanilla cookie with praline filling, pecans, coconut, and chocolate drizzled on top, replaced the Golden Yangle. The packaging for both the Praline Royale and the Golden Yangle touted building bridges, one of many Girl Scout experiences that helps girls create their own futures. Number 5. Golden Nut Clusters From 1991 to 1992, the Golden Nut Cluster, a pecan cookie covered in caramel, was found amongst the Girl Scout cookies ranks. Number 6. Juliet's Named after Girl Scout's founder, Juliet Lowe, the Juliet, available from 1984 to 1985 and then resurrected from 1993 to 1996, was the Golden Nut Cluster 2.0. Also boasting caramel and pecans, this dreamy cookie was also covered in milk chocolate, like the Girl Scouts version of a chocolate turtle. Number 7. Snaps 
Available from 1993 to 1997, these iced oatmeal raisin cookies seemed straight from Grandma's kitchen. 8. Upside Downs By 1999, the Girl Scouts took on Little Debbie with an oatmeal cookie sandwich of their own. But unlike Little Debbie's soft oatmeal cream pies, Upside Downs were crunchy. 9. Le Chips In the late 90s, the Girl Scouts introduced Le Chips, a chocolate-dipped, chocolate-chip hazelnut cookie. Debuting before America got on the Nutella bandwagon, these cookies were short-lived. 10. Aloha Chips Around for a short time in the early 2000s, they were the gussied-up version of everyone's least favorite cafeteria cookie, white chocolate macadamia nut. 11. Apple Cinnamons Available from 1997 to 2001, apple cinnamons were sugar cookies dusted with cinnamon sugar. The apple part? Their shape. In keeping with the diet trend du jour, they were reduced fat. 12. Olay Olays Another reduced fat cookie from the early aughts, Olay Olays were powdered sugar cookies with pecans and coconut and were available from 2001 to 2003. 13. Cinnaspins Hopping on the latest fitness fan, these crispy cinnamon swirl cookies were sold in 100-calorie packs in 2008. 14. Lemon Chalet Creams The defining characteristic of these lemon sandwich cookies with a touch of cinnamon ginger was the image of a Swiss chalet imprinted on the front. The chalet, which exists in real life, is the first world center of WAGS, W-A-G-G-G-S, the World Association of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts. 15. Mango Creams These healthy treats debuted in 2013. The crispy vanilla and coconut sandwich cookie was filled with a tangy mango-flavored cream enhanced with the nutrients found in fruits. Made by a company called Nutrifusion, the filling was made from rehydrated apples, oranges, cranberries, pomegranate, limes, strawberries, and, wait for it, shiitake mushrooms for vitamin D. Page 4. The Sound Prince Calendar. March 13, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, Savvy, in Owensboro, will have its next monthly meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Complete ceramics projects, collect membership dues, and brief social committee meeting to plan for May Social at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. On March 14, the KCB PR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. March 15 is a Savvy Workshop on Gardening. 
10 a.m. to noon Central Time. Join Savvy as they discuss gardening techniques which may be beneficial for those with visual impairment at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. On March 16, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold a roundabout iPhone, Orbit Reader, and other individual activities from 3.30 to 5, tip sheet from 5 to 5.30, dinner early that week at 5.30, $5 per person, games and crafts from 6.30 to 10, and we will also be attending the APH Reader's Theater at the American Printing House for the Blind. For more information, especially concerning making reservations for the Reader's Theater and arranging rides home after the performance, please call 502-895-4598. On March 16 and 17, the Braille Reader's Theater will be taking place at the American Printing House for the Blind. The play is The Doctor in Spite of Himself, a classic work by the 17th century French playwright Moliere. This fast and funny farce is filled with witty comebacks, wordy misunderstandings, pranks, puns, and mischief. At the American Printing House for the Blind, 1839 Frankfurt Avenue. It's free, but registration is required, best for ages 10 and up. To make reservations directly with the Printing House, call 502-899-2213. Please note, if you plan to attend the Reader's Theater as part of of the GLCB roundabout, call GLCB at 502-895-4598 for reservations instead of calling the Printing House. The time for the Reader's Theater on May 16 is 7 to 9 p.m. and on May 17 is 1 to 3 p.m. On May 18, the KSB Alumni Association will hold a board meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 605 Four seven five six zero zero six and enter code two nine four 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 four. March nineteen is the Kentucky Council of the Blind Board meeting at seven thirty p.m. Eastern Time on the same conference line. March twenty two, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold another support group meeting from one thirty to three thirty p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. For more information, call KCB at five zero two. Eight nine five four five nine eight. March twenty three is a GLCB roundabout from three thirty to ten at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Education and technology from three thirty to five. Discussion time from five to five thirty. Page turners, followed by a Tri-State Library Users Meeting, five thirty to six. Dinner, six to seven, and games and crafts from seven to ten. Call 502-895-4598 for more information. March 23-25, to 25, the KSB Short-Term Retreat Weekend for Visually Impaired Kentucky Students, Grades 6-12, to 12, Making S'mores Time for Friends and Leisure. Bonus, Trip to Louisville Orchestra featuring KSB alumnus Michael Cleveland. For more information, call the Kentucky School for the Blind at 502-897-1583, extension 7714. March 26, 
Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana invites you to its membership conference call at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. March 28th, the Bluegrass Council will have its peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington, 1093 South Broadway. RSVP by calling 859-259-1834. March 29 is another Savvy Workshop. This time the topic is Cooking Safety and Strategies. From 10 a.m. to noon Central Time, join Savvy as they share cooking tips and strategies which may be beneficial for those with visual impairments at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. On March 30 is another GLCB Roundabout, 3.30 to 10 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 for more information. March 31 is the Easter Holiday Open House, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind. Bring your Easter visitors to APH's museum where they can write their names in Braille, see a book from Helen Keller's Bible, learn about guide dogs, play games, and read books designed for children who are blind and enjoy many other activities. Easter treats and lemonade will be served. At the APH Museum, call 502-899-2213 for more information. April 6 and 7 is the 2018 Crossroads Conference, entitled Let Your Journey Begin. The conference begins at noon on Friday and ends after the banquet on Saturday evening. For more information, call the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598. And June 29 through July 6 is the 57th Annual ACB Conference and Convention in St. Louis, Missouri. More information is available on the ACB website at www.acb.org or by subscribing to the ACB Convention email list, send a blank email to acbconvention-subscribe at acblists.org. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.